All right, good morning listeners and uh, welcome to this week's news from the drug war front. My name is Jeff and my co-presenter is Marion. Good yep. morning. Good morning, Jeffrey, my darling. Good morning, everybody out there. God, it's a beautiful morning. So, I don't know, you've got no excuse for staying home and listening to the radio show. You better hop in the car or take your phone with you because you can always get FM radio on the phone. Yep. But listen to the show anyway. It is beautiful outside and I'm sorry to say I'm absolutely over the moon about the day and Geoffrey feels like crap. So, yeah, but just, we love you anyway. Thank you, Mary. I, I pre- love you, my darling. I appreciate darling. that, and I'll do my best to. You um, always do, my sweet. Make the show interesting. Okay, welcome to this uh, week's news from the drug war front, brought to you by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy. Karma is a peer-based, community-controlled drug user organisation with over two years, or two years, two decades, <laughs> serving the ACT. Keep going. Our brain's in top gear. Yeah. yeah. Um, Now, the aim of the show is to obviously report on news about uh, prohibition, but also to, for Marion and I to use those uh, news stories to hopefully debate the failings of prohibition and talk about... And tell the other side of the story, basically. The other side of the story, yeah. yeah. If you want the standard prohibition, read the mainstream media. read the media. Don't don't listen to us. But if you want to hear the the other side, which we say every week, listen to us. Yeah, well... The other side of the story is that instead of prohibiting yeah. certain or illicit drugs that are on the sanctioned list, yeah. why not treat it as a health and human rights issue Absolutely. and uh, legalise, regulate, control, help people. And stop making them lawbreakers. I mean, for crying out loud, you know, if Putin can do what he can do right, and get away with it and, you know, Botox or no Botox and don't tell me that, for it hasn't had any Botox in it. I know it has. He cannot frown anymore. Even when he says that, you know, the President of the United States is, he doesn't like him anymore because he called him a war criminal. Meaning. Yeah, so when ugly, he spits yeah. the dummy like that, he can't even frown when he says that. There's so much Botox in his forehead. Oh, dear. Pathetic. Anyway, uh, in the, certainly in the modern times, the um, prohibition of certain drugs began... Uh, yeah, with the 1961 UN Convention, Single Convention on Narcotic Drugs. Um, sadly, these global policies remain largely unchanged and um, we'd actually like to acknowledge the efforts of peers and activists who have contributed to the struggle against the war on people who use drugs and uh, hope that people will um, encourage debate amongst them, their friends and family and have a think about... Um, talk about it. Talk Just about it, Just talk yeah. about it. Keep on talking about it. And it doesn't matter if you agree with us or you don't agree with us, you know. As long as it's being debated, we would like people to agree with us, obviously. And But, you know, if we, you think what we say is a load of crap, fine. Yeah. But talk about it and say why. Think it through for yourself. Get yourself an argument and get ready to have it because there are a lot of people in the world who don't listen to shows like this uh, and aren't ready, you know, don't know why they are thinking the way they do except that that's what everybody's always said yeah. for the last 60 years. Yeah, and like so most complex issues, it's not black and white, it's good not, versus yeah. evil. It's and it's not thought through. The no. arguments are not thought through. No. And we've been saying that for years, of course, and we will continue to say it. 
So, yeah, keep going. I'm sorry, Jeffrey, didn't no, mean no, to interrupt. No. Keep you can going, tell listeners uh, who don't know what karma does what yep. we do. I will tell them that. Indeed, I will. Karma provides a wide range of services such as client advocacy, peer treatment support, education, creative arts, mentoring, referrals, and of course, news from the drug war front. The Connection is Canberra's peer based drug and alcohol service for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander clients. Both services are located in the Church's Centre at Bill Collins, Shop 17, Level 1, 54 Benjamin Way. The drop-in is open again and the hours are 10am to 4pm, Monday to Friday. The office phone number is 6253 I'll say that again for those people who haven't got a pen yet. 6253 And if you want an appointment with someone, I'll tell you why you might want an appointment because of the services they provide or because you want to come in and have a talk about the radio show and what it says. Right? Come in or ring up, actually, is the best thing to do. That was why I gave you the telephone number twice. Ring up, make an appointment to see someone and probably the best idea is to make an appointment to see someone on a day like this Go down to Margaret Stimson Park, is it? Just Stimson. down the road. Sit there and have your appointment with your worker because that's really the place to do it. And if you want a worker to help you with issues like opioid maintenance treatment, that's methadone, buprenorphine, or more recently, the long-acting injectable forms of buvital and sublocate, no heroin yet, mate. Uh, treatment for hepatitis C, which is really important because at the moment, hep C can be cured, my yeah, darlings. It can be cured. Yep. There's a fabulous co um, program going on that's between uh, hep C, ACT, hep ACT and Karma, a joint project. It's a terrific program. You can get your drugs for free and it cures it and it fixes up your liver to the point where it can be used as a transfer organ. And very few drugs can say that. So hepatitis C, we can help with the impact of stigma and discrimination. We can help you with that, but we can't fix it. But we can give you some strategies on how to deal with it because it's a it's prevalent, it's pervasive, it's all over the community. In fact, in Russia, the last cab off the rank in terms of being helped are the drug users, particularly yeah. the injecting drug users. Yes, yeah, no the harm reduction. The are having no. such a tough time over there. Apparently they can still get their morphine, uh, sorry, morphine, I wish, they can still get their methadone in the Ukraine. Yes, they Which I think is fabulous. And we, oh, look, do yeah. we need to give them a shout-out for that because I am impressed. And Putin, you know, brain of a flea, was one of his demands was that they get rid of their current president, that Ukraine gets rid of their current president. <laughs> Why would they do that? Mm. They've just elected him. They love him. He's fabulous. I, and he sits there in a T-shirt, yeah? No shirt and tie for him. No shirt and tie and bullshit for mm. him, yeah? What's going on is what he talks about and where he is with the people because he is with the people. Okay, what else is left? Okay, availability of detox and rehab services. So referrals, that's the point. If you want to go somewhere and get help with your drug use to come off your drugs, we can provide you with an avenue to get there. 
all issues, in fact, faced by people adversely impacted by prohibition and the war on people who use drugs. That's us. The much-anticipated Jude Byrne Women's Memorial Group is about to start. Due to having to follow up COVID-safe protocols, the numbers are strictly limited. Before we set dates for the upcoming group, we need to know the number of people attending. As this is a closed group due to the nature of what's discussed, we invite you to call and put your name down on the list to secure a place. This is largely for women who have lost their kids or, or whose kids have been taken CYPS. by family services. Yep. Yep. Um, I don't know. There may be men out there who are actually subject to that too. Yeah, this is and, a women's only group. But though. this is a women's only group. Uh, but that, if there are men out there with that issue, there's no reason why I can't, if with enough demand, karma can't get together and do a program with men in mind. Oh, look, okay. It's a, I mean, it's they're going to discuss men anyway. It's but a huge issue. Absolutely, um, and it is so hurtful. So, get yourself involved if you've got kids and they've been taken from community services, family and community services. That is such a hard thing to do. You can pull a family apart, but it's so hard to put back together the same, in the same way, in the same context that it was in before it took the child away. Well, it, it's another area that needs a complete rethink because it shouldn't be automatically assumed that if a people, mother has taken illicit used, drugs, they're bad parents. Used, absolutely. That is not a foregone conclusion no. at all. No. I know women who have used drugs all their life and yet their parenting skills are superior to anybody else. And that's a lot of that has to do with guilt. Mm. But the motivation is neither here nor there. The point is their parenting is fabulous and their kids turn out to be gorgeous. And that's and what And you matters. would wonder why. And it's because they have been taught this is how to do life, right? This is what... Women who use drugs know what life is about. They bring up their boys to be good men. They bring up their girls, I hope, to be good women. But if yeah. they are not there, if they're taken away, they're brought up with people who are paid to look after mm. them. And that's not Very a good paradigm. idea. Yeah. Okay, uh, news from the drug war front reports on news stories that are relevant to illicit drug users from around Australia and around the world. Many of the articles featured in the program come from other so sources, including the mainstream media. Um, so the contents of this broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of karma and the connection. And by the way, welcome to Jimmy, the new con male connection worker. Oh, hello, uh, Jimmy. Just started. Wow, that's fabulous. Welcome We've got to, a man in there. We do. So, I'm very um, pleased to hear it. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander clients have male and female workers to get help from. That's excellent. I'm so pleased. Which is really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So welcome um, to you, Jimmy. And to you. Yeah, welcome from me too. Uh, Karma does not condone nor condemn drug use and we not, do not promote illegal activity. However, we recognise that um, drug use happens and will continue to happen regardless of laws and UN conventions. As such, Karma focuses on harm reduction messages, drug treatment support services, advocacy and community development. We seek to reduce the harms associated with drug use and its criminalisation through the provision of programs that foster community development and the delivery of person-centred holistic health care. And, of course, Karma advocates uh, for equity of health service delivery for all people, which um, 
doesn't seem unreasonable. No, absolutely not. We have a song? I think we have a song. This is um, Joy Division and uh, Atmosphere. Well, that was Joy Division and uh, the remarkable Ian Curtis on vocals, and that was Atmosphere. Welcome back to this week's news from the Drug War Front. Um, I thought I'd just do a quick um, reminder of um, our outreach activities. The barbecues are springing back to life. Yeah, which is great. We've hear. got Watson on Monday, Oaks Estate on Wednesday, every second Thursday at Ainsley Village, and every Friday at the Pat Van uh, with the wonderful directions um, people at Veterans Park. So. Um, it's good we're getting the uh, barbecues back in action. It's a good way to... And Wednesday at Oaks Estate. That's Wednesday great. at Oaks Estate, we yeah. We turn so... to Village for barbecue every fortnight. Yeah. Terrific. It's yeah. really good to hear. But, you know, we still have got COVID around, though. We oh, had my God, yeah. Something like 800-odd uh, infections yesterday they reported. So it's not gone away. It's still there, my darling. So just be really careful... You know, if you're feeling uncomfortable, whack a mask on. No one's going to... It's not hard to put a mask no, on. No, it's and not. And if you cough, wash cover your hands. Your mouth, yeah, just wash your hands before you have a whack or before you do anything, really. You should be washing your hands all the time. It's still a, still a wash your hands thing for 20 seconds to make sure you get rid of as much crap as possible. Look, we've got a piece here that we want to do first off just to kick off. This is from the... Um, Canberra Times, and it's pretty good given that, uh, you know, how we've been feeling about New South Wales and its its approach to drug law. Um, now, Mark Speaksman, Mark, sorry, Mark Speakman, who is the Attorney General in the ACT, oh, ACT, in New South Wales, says he is ambitious for diversion measures for drug offenders rather than jailing. The New South Wales government has ruled out decriminalising drugs but is considering changes to divert users away from drugs rather than sending them to prison. New South Wales Attorney General Mark Speakman, which is what I just said, says he's ambitious yeah, did that one blah, 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 for drug measures to be introduced pre-court or within the court system. Quote, I think I've made my position crystal clear that we need to rethink our approach to drug, Mr Speakman told Budget Estimates on Wednesday. Diversion measures were a cheaper option than jailing drug offenders, the Attorney-General said. Well, that's a dead-set obvious thing. Nonetheless, it's unusual for it to be said in this context. OK, uh, the recommendation was ruled out by Cabinet largely over the idea... Oh, hang on, this is... It comes after the New South Wales Government ruled out five key recommendations from a 2020 inquiry into ICE use, including decriminalised drug... decriminalising drugs found in quantities for personal use. The recommendation was ruled out by Cabinet largely over the idea of normalising drug use, Mr Speakman said. Quote, we ruled that out, but we have not ruled out other diversions, he said. Pre-court or court diversion to recognise at the end of the day drug use is a health issue and people and people use drugs for a variety of reasons, he said. Now, that's pretty radical stuff from New South Wales yeah. and from a New South Wales, from, you know, 
the Attorney General in particular, because we haven't had that kind of stuff from a government in New South Wales. No, it's sounds, generally been an opposition or a Greens position. Sounds yeah? eminently sensible. Yeah, and something either is going to get sacked or they're going to do it. Uh, okay, so, but, but no. People use drugs for a variety of, variety of reasons, he said, right? But they don't choose to or to use or not use drugs because of a criminal law process. That's pretty sensible. I mean, it's, mm. it's downright obvious, but it's a sensible thing for him to say publicly. Uh, quote, other than decriminalisation, we're looking at what we can do inside the criminal law space. Yeah, now in December 2020, following uh, the ICE inquiry, uh, the Cabinet had broadly agreed to a proposal by the Attorney-General that would have seen small amounts of drugs decriminalised. Then Police Minister David Elliott and Conservative National Party MPs opposed the plan and it was scrapped. Premier Dominic Perrottet, who was then the Treasurer, said at the time the government would not be rushed into changing its drug policy. The inquiry found $7.3 billion of ice is consumed each year in Australia and made 109 recommendations. We talked about that ice inquiry, yeah, didn't we, at length? Yeah, and, we did. And the Commissioner's disappointment that so little well, action I came. Well, how many, how many uh, inquiries have they had into drugs and drug-related matters in New South Wales that have been ignored? Yeah, end up in the bottom drawer. Yeah. 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 Um, Anyway, it made 109 recommendations, including syringe programs in jails, substance testing, more injecting centres, and reducing the use of drug detection dogs, which... Eminently sensible, all four of them. Really, headlining those would be a really good idea. I I think they're all very sensible. Get rid of the dogs. Injecting... More injecting centres. That's... Wow, that's like really big really yeah, good for New South quality Wales. Quality reform, yeah. When asked why the government had not made decisions on this earlier, Mr Speakman said he was, quote, disappointed, adding there was more than 100 recommendations and they were being considered, quote, closely. Yeah, so, you know, that's four of them that they've just talked about then, syringe programs in jail, substance testing, more injecting centres, reducing the use of drug detection. That's four. So there's 105 recommendations, and if they're following, going to go through that again and look at it in depth, which I encourage them to do. There is nothing more sensible than to rethink what doesn't work and reapply sensible, pragmatic solutions to stuff that hasn't been working for 60 years. Good on you, Mr Speakman. Good luck to New South Wales. Yeah, look, I'll just start this um, national story that is a press release from uh, the Honourable Greg Hunt, Minister for Health and Aged Care, March the 20th. Continued funding to tackle the scourge of methamphetamines. And just remind me of the news at 11. As part of our plan for a stronger future, the Australian Government will extend the National Ice Action Strategy, investing more than $315 million over four years in the ongoing fight to reduce the impact of ice, other drugs and alcohol. As part of the plan for a stronger future, the Government will extend the National Ice Action Strategy. The investment is alongside an additional $27.9 million being committed to support other critical drug and alcohol treatment projects in areas of identified need. Well, there's plenty of identified need, Marion, yeah. isn't there? Um, with the announcement, the government will invest around $830 million in alcohol and other drug treatment services and programs over the next four years. 
National wastewater drug monitoring shows that methamphetamine use has reduced for the second consecutive year, and MDMA, cocaine and heroin consumption have also fallen. Greg Hunt said whilst this was a good sign, there's still work to be done. Quote, for too many Australians, illegal drugs are still an insidious scourge on our community, robbing families of their loved ones. I'm proud the Morrison government will extend the National Ice Action Strategy for a further four years, allowing organisations across the nation to continue developing or delivering innovative community-based solutions to curb the use of drugs such as methamphetamines. Uh, We're committed to building safe and healthy communities, reducing the impact and harms of drug and alcohol use for individuals, their families and communities. Estimates from 2019 suggest that roughly 300,000 Australians used methamphetamine in the past 12 months, with over half of those using crystal methamphetamine or ice. The four most common drugs that people seek treatment for are alcohol, 34%, amphetamines, 28%, cannabis, 18%, and heroin, 5.1%. Okay, we've got a little while, so I'll do a bit uh, until we have to go over to the news. Okay, since its inception in 2016, the NICE, it's the you know National Ice Action Strategy, has helped thousands of people gain access to treatment programs and supported communities to tackle local drug and alcohol issues with local solutions. By committing to the NICE for a further four years, the government is ensuring critical treatment and other programs are continued and improved. This is particularly important for high-risk population groups, including people in rural and regional areas and Indigenous communities. Under the NIAS, drug and alcohol treatment services are commissioned by primary health networks, which means they're designed with the local needs front of mind. In addition to treatment services, the NIAS supports local drug action teams to deliver grassroots solutions to drug and alcohol issues faced by communities. More funding will enhance and build on the 280 teams currently operating across the country and improve engagement with the uh, community post-COVID-19. The Cracks in the Ice and Positive Choices web portal, uh, which has resources for teachers, parents and students, the portal is well, uh, well respected by sector and u- by the sector and users, helping to reduce or delay young people using drugs or alcohol. It had more than 2.6 million views from two, 2016 to 2020. The alcohol, smoking and substance involvement tests the assist, a questionnaire that screens for risky substance use, which can be helpful in a number of settings. That's really non-specific, isn't it? The National Centre for Clinical Research on Emerging Drugs of Concern, which researches new treatment options and works with practitioners to put new evidence into practice and improve clinical care. We are increasing our efforts at every level to reduce the impact of drug and alcohol use on and uh, on individuals, families and communities. Well, look, I definitely welcome the extension of that um, funding because it well, does get... More money, you don't spit at more money, Jeffrey, No, yeah? uh, but I wish that included um, research into the efficacy of current um, legal oh. settings and whether it's a criminal justice yeah. or a health issue or... Well, a certain, I would really like to see them somebody somewhere do, you know, a certain amount of debating about what's appropriate, where. Uh, <clears throat> some of these things I haven't heard of. That may be because I don't work in the sector hmm. anymore. Um, but I'm a, 
I'm a touch concerned that the amount of money that they um, are making available, $27.9 million over four years, um, is probably going to fall way short of what's actually required um, and the availability particularly of rehabilitation centres and the investigation, as you say, into the efficacy of the programs that have been going. Nobody mm. seems to investigate whether we've had any successes mm. or failures. Yep. There's nothing wrong with finding out that something doesn't work and changing the strategy. Yep. Okay? We'll be back after the national news. We will. All right, uh, welcome back to this week's news from the drug war front, brought to you by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Home Minimisation and Advocacy, and also The Connection. Um, just uh, before we move on to some uh, other stories, I just want to remind listeners that um, Karma's uh, groundbreaking opioid overdose recognition and response with naloxone um, training workshops have uh, restarted. And the first one's actually today at the Early Morning Centre in Civic at 2 o'clock, but they're... Um, are going to be uh, regular workshops um, run by Dave uh, and Damo or Dave on his own or Damo on his own. Um, it's important uh, workshop participants are trained to recognise the risk factors and the symptoms of opioid overdose and are shown how to respond to an overdose using naloxone uh, and currently that's the uh, nasal spray Nixoid. The workshop lasts about an hour People who complete the workshop receive a take-home naloxone kit and are reimbursed $30 for their time and trouble. Um, now, as I mentioned, there are going to be more uh, workshops on a regular basis. So if you're interested in learning how to save somebody's life, um, come along or ring up and put down your name and contact detail. Uh, just call 6253-3643. That's the Karma office number. Just say um, you've heard about the Carmen Aloxone workshop and you'd like to... Uh, and, Marion, you can certainly vouch for the uh, worthwhile... Um, the value of the, val the value of, of the workshops? Yeah, the workshops. Absolutely. For the naloxone or the opioid yes. overdose and prevention one, absolutely. They are terrific. I've got to say, they don't go too long, which is great um, because we all know what short attention spans we've got. Um, they're paid, which can everybody can do with. You get 30 bucks for your hour. I mean, yeah. that's better pay than you're going to get anywhere else. And it's not putting out. It's going into your pocket. You learn how to save people's lives. That drug does nothing. Naloxone does nothing but reduce or reverse the effects of overdose of opioids. That's all it does. So if you say somebody on the ground that is dropped, is blue in the lips or around the face and fingertips, looks like they are not breathing. If you have a, a, a vial of um, naloxone to snort stuff up somebody's nose, if it's not an overdose, it won't hurt them. Mm. If it is an overdose, it will reduce the effects of that opioid overdose. <clears throat> and then you can do... Learn, you learn how to do heart uh, massage, which is really important. And if you're frightened, you just ring triple O at the same yep. time. But the project itself is fabulous and well worth doing. So you ring 62533643, get in touch with Damo or David, and they will make uh, a space for you or you will be given allocated space and a date 
for when you can attend the workshop and learn how to save your life and other people's lives. And that's pretty powerful. It's um, amazing. You feel like a hero. Absolutely. I can vouch for that. All right, might go, go to a quick song, then we'll come back with some more stories. This is uh, Neil Young and uh, Old Man, Neil Young. All right, that was Neil Young from his classic album Harvest and Old Man. And I think Needle and the Damage Done was on that album too, That was too, on that it? album, absolutely. Every song was a winner on that one, I reckon, on Harvest. It was just, that was the first time I ever heard Neil Me Young. Me too. The Needle and the Damage Done was the first song I heard of his, I think, oh, okay. as I recall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was, yeah, I was moved by it at the time and I knew nothing about heroin at that stage, but I was really moved. I think it was, again, another good poet turned, you know, yep. another good lyricist. And I think it was musician. about a band member who overdosed on heroin, I think, or... Uh, well, if it wasn't, well, so a close it wasn't friend about of him, some sort. yeah, yeah, yeah he's still here. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't about him. It had to be about someone else close. But yeah, I mean, he was a user for a long, long time. I don't know if he still is, um, or if he's on down or something like that. But yeah, you know, not sure. Gee, it was ages, ages ago. I was. Um, I remember I used to say, you know, that there was a career of drug using and I didn't realise that some careers are lifelong, you know, which is, you know, I reckon pretty close to the truth. Indeed. Okay, this next story um, I found uh, from the New York Post and um, anyone who's heard about... Oh, it's a doozy. West Point is uh, a revered military training academy in the US. Um, But. (laughs) There's a but. But, yeah, there's a but. And... um, This is from March the 19th by Dana Kennedy and Isabel Vincent. Cocaine and pain pills inside the secret drug culture at West Point. And the subheading is after five West Point cadets on spring break in Florida were hospitalised after overdosing on fentanyl-laced cocaine. Insiders say they're not really surprised. Mm. Former West Point cadet Chris Mong was thrown out of school and into military prison for dealing and using cocaine, Xanax and opiates at the country's foremost military academy in 2017. Army prosecutors called him a drug, quote, kingpin, (laughs) kingpin, at the US Military Academy in Orange County, New York. Mong, now 27, was so hooked on opiates that even when he returned to the campus in disgrace to meet with his lawyer and prepare for his court-martial, he was still using. Well, what a surprise. Over the three-day process, he drove more than two and a half hours twice back to his uh, home in Pennsylvania to get through it. I was high on the day of the hearing, he told the New York Post. I pled guilty to all charges and I got sentenced to 30 months at Fort Leavenworth. I did 15 months and was paroled for 10. He hopes West Point may be more forgiving of the cadet, cadets who ingested fentanyl-tainted <coughs> cocaine during, <coughs> excuse me, during a spring break getaway in Wilton Manors, Florida, on March the 11th. The five New York cadets, all men in the early 20s and at least one a football player, had been partying at an Airbnb rental north of Fort La- Lauderdale, na- neighbours said. All but one had been released from the hospital. A former Air Force cadet who attended the United States Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs said he wasn't surprised to hear at least one football player was amongst the overdose victims. Quote, cocaine was really prevalent among the football team. They would wait until a long weekend to do it because it leaves your system quickly, whereas weed can stay for a long time. We were randomly tested at the academy. Drug experts say cocaine or its metabolites typically can show up on a blood or saliva test for up to two days, a urine test for up to three days, and a hair test 
for months or even years. Yeah, don't think just because you get... Oh, by the way, don't think just because you get your head shaved that you're not going to have any drugs turn up in, in hair okay. that gets tested because it just keeps coming out through the hair. Okay. Shaving your head does nothing to help to stop that. stop the hair. No, yeah. It still comes through it the brain. hair. It still yeah. keeps in the follicles. Police have not yet identified the cadets and West Point did not return repeated calls for comment. It's not immediately clear what disciplinary measures the cadets face, but illegal drug use can be grounds for immediate expulsion. Yeah, but, I mean... We were talking about it just before, and I think possibly West Point might be empty if they uh, expelled everybody who was responsible for using pills and or drugs and alcohol. Anyway, it goes on. Greg T. Rinky, an attorney who specialises... <clears throat> here, I've got the <clears throat> frog as well. An attorney who specialises in military law and a former JAG, Army Judge Advocate General has both prosecuted and defended soldiers, including West Point students, on everything from drug possession to murder. Rinky says the cadets will probably be, quote, disenrolled, end quote, from the school, which is West Point speak for expelled. It will depend on what Defence Council is going to spin, Rinky told the Post. Fentanyl was in the brownies. They didn't know or they thought they were smoking marijuana but fentanyl was in the joint. But if there are witnesses who say they saw the cadets buying and ingesting cocaine, that's something else altogether. West Point cadets are technically active duty army cadets and subject to being criminally charged according to the UCMJ or Uniform Code of Military Justice. They could also face a separation, a separate, sorry, administrative action. In a case like this one, Rinky said the usual process is that the Army's Criminal Investigative Division, CID, will examine the case and present a report to the Superintendent of West Point. Lieutenant General Darrell A. Williams, who is likely to make a final decision about how to proceed in consultation with an army lawyer or judge advocate. Sounds like the old TV series JAG. Well, that was what I was just thinking, and I watch that every day, actually, only because it kind of fills in the gaps between... Well, actually, it covers up the gaps that Days of Our Drearies would be on, (laughs) so otherwise I'd have to watch that. Um, actually, I've been reading a lot more than watching that, but it is like JAG. It's very much like JAG. You do prosecutions and defences yeah. when you're a JAG lawyer. Okay, Monge knows all about that. He was told he owed 170000 in tuition money after he was kicked out of West Point, a figure that's now jumped to over 200000 with interest. I mean, for crying out loud, with interest. He said he recently got a notice asking him to pay $5,000 a month toward his bill, which he said is impossible given his modest job as a salesman at a trucking company. He hopes that cadets who overdosed avoid his fate. Well, I would hope so too. It's pretty difficult to find someone who's dead. Quote, if West Point is open about it and understanding, they can treat it more like alcohol abuse and think in terms of rehab rather than just slamming the book at them, Munch told the Post. Quote, at the end of the day, it's another college, but at other colleges, students have a lot more freedom to test the same orders and make mistakes in judgment, Munch said. It's just because West Point is this prestigious university held to a higher standards. 
and you've got short hair. How many students do you think are doing drugs at Penn State? Plenty. I think he makes a good point. It's because, you know, the best of the best of right the best. Right on the point, sir, absolutely. You know, um, yeah, and how many times do we have to say it doesn't matter who you are or what you do, you're just as likely to be using drugs? No one is immune. There, no one is immune, no one's family, uncles, aunts, grandmas, grandpas, kids, nieces, nephews, you know... You're always somebody's relative. It's always somebody's relative. You cannot expect people to not ever use drugs. No, that's a good point. A copy of a letter about the cadet overdoses in Florida emailed to the school and its alumni on March the 14th from Lieutenant General Williams was obtained by the New York Post. Quote, members of the long grey line, the letter begins. As many of you know, the United States Military Academy has been working through a serious incident involving several cadets. The health and safety of all of our cadets is my top concern and priority. And I ask that you refrain from speculating or commenting on the details of any ongoing investigation. Quote, we will continue to support any ongoing investigation. And once completed, we will take appropriate action to ensure the health and safety of our cadets and to maintain good order and discipline within the core. America looks to the Academy to develop leaders who embody the highest level of character. Character development is the most important thing that we do here at the Academy. Good order and discipline are vitally important to our success. Therefore, illegal drugs of any kind have no place at West Point, in our army or in our military. And I wonder what they did with the, you know, 100,000, 300,000 troops that came back from Vietnam. With, yeah? With Didn't her- heroin we hear dependency. that for six months after yeah. that, 12 months after they returned from Vietnam? They were all debriefed at various um, centres or hospitals um, and largely that was just getting them away from the drugs from fighting a war they didn't want to fight because they were conscripted. That's right. Um, or they were sent over there to kill people and who knew in who the enemy were anyway. Yeah. In a place where they knew no one, didn't know who was going to be bombing them. Don't tell me that isn't every other war too, mm. but because it is. But they didn't know the enemy. They had tunnels from one place to another. People would pop up and bomb them, you know. And I had a friend who was a, um, a medic in the Australian Army oh, over okay. there, and he used to one for you, one for me, one for you, one for you. The medicine, the medic is the medicine man, right? runs around and does the basically the frontline work on looking after the injured or the wounded. And it's, you know, it's really difficult to tolerate the, those conditions and not co- come away feeling like you were in some kind of... Hell, on some other yeah, planet, yeah. you know, or you'd already gone to hell and come back again. And how do you adjust from that hell to life without some kind of buffer? Yeah, and no, well said. As uh, Mr. Speakman, uh, Minister Speakman said, people use drugs for their own purposes and things like opiates and cocaine. Cocaine is a get up and get at them kind of thing mm-hmm. and opioids are... Big blankets, yeah. Right, so people use their drugs for what they get out of them. Why would people, at, as Monge said at a at a college, why would they be using drugs? Well, the expectations of them there are higher than mm. anywhere else, yeah. Any other place in the country, any other college in the country, they need that kind of stuff as a buffer between them and their success or favour or perfection. 
which they're never going to attain, but they are expected to. Yeah, that's a, another good point, Marion. Uh, Lucian Truscott IV, a 1969 graduate and legacy of West Point, who wrote the 1978 classic Dress Grey, said that alcohol and drug abuse have been rampant in the Army and at West Point for decades. Quote, the idea of these guys buying alleged cocaine with fentanyl just doesn't surprise me at all, he said. He was sceptical about Williams's letter and whether or not West Point would make any serious effort to combat drugs and alcohol on campus. Quote, character development. Well, that's something nice to do. But what they're doing at West Point is training people to kill in wars, mm-hmm. Truscott told the New York Post. They don't give a, an F as long as you kill people. General George Patton was terribly anti-Semitic, but they were fine with him as long as he was killing Nazis. Absolutely. He was a nightmare. Uh, Monge said he was not subject to random drug tests during the academic year, only when he returned to school at the start of the year. Even so, he said, he kept a small shampoo-sized bottle of a friend's clean urine in a desk drawer that he could grab if I got the call, he said. Fort Lauderdale Fire and Rescue officials initially reported that four people in the Florida Spring Break rental had taken a substance believed to be cocaine laced with fentanyl and that two others were exposed to the fentanyl when they tried to administer life-saving CPR. Four were hospitalised after chaotic, a chaotic scene at the house. Quote, people are passing out. Three people passed out because they drank a lot, like a lot, a lot, and, you know, overdose from alcohol is very tough too. Uh, 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 alcohol-induced poisoning is really easy to get. Mm. The frantic 911 caller. Now, people are passing out. Three people passed out because they drank a lot, like a lot, a lot, the frantic 911 caller said as raised voices and commotion were heard in the background. They did some coke and they've been drinking heavily for the last couple of days and there, he said, trailing off as he consoled a crying woman. We're good, we're good, we're good. It's okay, baby. Don't worry about it, he told her. As someone in the background was heard near, hold the fuck together. Cub Larkin, 46, who lives across the street from the house, said that the drug ODs from fentanyl-laced drugs are not, not uncommon in Wilton Manors. There's a waiting list to get Narcane, a prescription nasal spray used to reverse the effect of an overdose, he said, and many people keep a container in their homes and in the glove compartments of their car, just what I say people should be doing. Larkin told the Post that he has seen people overdose before, but never with the intensity he witnessed that afternoon of March the 11th. He said he and his husband heard police sirens and went outside to see what was happening. Quote, I saw four people removed from house on stretches, from the house on stretches, Larkin said. I could have sworn that two of the young gentlemen were dead. What really sticks in my mind was how unresponsive they were. They're just flopping off the stretches. I've never seen someone so unconscious. An alleged supplier of cocaine was arrested on Saturday in connection with the tainted batch given the cadets after making a sale to an undercover officer. Axel Giovanni Cassius, 21, is being held in lieu of $50,000 bail. Although his life didn't take the route he'd planned at the while at school, Monge, who said he's been clean since his hearing date of May the 10th, 2017, he said he was whisked off to prison. He believes that was happening to him. was a blessing in disguise. I came to terms with why I was using and found God. 
Well, plenty of people do that, don't they? Another drug. But he fears the army will throw the book at the cadets and they might end up labelled as felons for the rest of their lives, he said. Meanwhile, there's so many other people at West Point and elsewhere that do the same thing and get away with it. Truscott, however, doesn't think the cadets will be expelled. Quote, if they kicked out everyone at West Point or in the army who abused alcohol and or drugs, he said, we wouldn't have an army or an academy. <laughs> that's Dead set. that's quite a telling on. last yeah, remark, that isn't is it? That is a very pointed remark. And But as funny as it may sound, it should be taken at face value. That is true. Mm. No, I thought that was quite an interesting story. Very interesting story. And given that cocaine came up, I thought I'd play uh, cocaine. Why not? JJ Cale. All right, welcome back to News from the Drug War Front, brought to you by the Cam- Canberra Alliance for Home Minimisation and Ag- Advocacy and The Connection on 2XXFM, People Powered Radio 98.3 FM. And that was JJ Cale and cocaine. Uh, we're going off to the UK for the next uh, story, and it's by Joe Talora from uh, standard.co.uk, March the 18th. London should pilot drug checking and consumption rooms, says report. Do you want to kick off on that one, Miss? Where are we, darling? Uh, page 13, top of page 14. No problems. Okay. I'm sorry about that, everybody. We had to go around the toilet and forgot the key. Uh-huh, smart as a whip. Okay. London should lead the way in tackling drug deaths by piloting drug consumption rooms and other harm reduction schemes, according to the new report. The London Assembly Health Committee on Thursday published a new report which called on Mayor of London Sadiq Khan to work with the government and police to adopt a new approach to tackling drug deaths in the capital. It comes as deaths resulting from drug misuse remain at the highest level in England and Wales since comparable records began. Almost 3,000 people died from drug misuse in England and Wales during 2020, with 296 deaths in London. That's not an insignificant number it's of not people. Not a small number no. at all. Following testimony from es- experts given at City Hall on de- in December, the Cross Party Health Committee has recommended London pilot the use of drunk- drug consumption rooms, safe injecting spaces, we might call them. What's the other ones they do in New York? They call them overdose prevention rooms. That's right. Uh, Spaces where drugs can be consumed under medical supervision to prevent overdoses. The report also recommends the introduction of drug checking at venues and events in London to allow users to test the potency and contents of any substances they may be intending to use. Again, if we're talking about pill testing rooms or any other kind of drug testing site, that's a good idea. Um, Carolyn Russell, who chairs the Assembly's Health Committee, says such measures could, quote, start to bring down the growing numbers of people sadly losing their lives due to problematic drug use, and quote, if implemented in London. Despite fears schemes such as drug consumption rooms and drug checking can lead to increased drug use, non-profit drug harm reduction organisation The Loop says there's no evidence to support these claims. Several organisations across the UK, including West Midlands Police, 
Transform Drug Policy Foundation and Royal Society for Public Health have called for drug testing to be rolled out nationwide. Though the Health Committee has called on Mayor of London, the Mayor of London to implement trials of harm reduction schemes, Steve Rolls, who represented the Loop at the evidence gathering se- session in December, said it's time to move beyond pilots. Mr Rolls said, quote, There are hundreds of drug checking services across Europe and across the world. They've been piloted in the UK, both at festivals and events and in city centres. This is not new territory. We've done pilots and we know they work. We're not doing pilots anymore. That's a fair enough point, isn't it? Absolutely. I think that's spot on. How long can you keep on piloting stuff before you actually it becomes something that is entrenched in operations? Well, if something's proven to work and save lives, why repeat? Why keep on piloting it? Absolutely. It just becomes ludicrous. Uh, Mr Khan has also been urged to work with the Metropolitan Police to ensure that officers routinely carry naloxone, which is a potentially life-saving drug for someone experiencing an opioid overdose. This week, the UK government published the latest responses to a closed consultation of key stakeholders on expanding access to naloxone. 63% of respondents said naloxone was difficult to access in the event of an overdose, while 93% said they strongly agreed that police officers should carry the drug. The results of the consultation showed, quote, overwhelming support for expanding access to naloxone. The Department of Health and Social Care has said it will, quote, work with the devolved governments to examine policy options to take this forward over the next few months. During his re-election campaign last year, London's Mayor, Mr Khan, pledged to set up a drugs commission that would examine the potential of decriminalising cannabis in London. Though no formal announcement has been made about the formation of the Drugs Commission, the Health Committee expects it to launch later this year. A spokesperson for the Mayor of London said, quote, The Mayor recognises there is a growing demand for a debate on our drug laws and work is well underway to establish the London Drugs Commission of independent experts who will examine the latest evidence from around the world with particular focus on cannabis. How how much does what mean growing call for a debate? I mean, for crying out loud, it's growing for sixty years. It's been growing since the very minute that they they signed that bloody you single know, United Nations a, single convention yeah. on narcotic drugs. Yeah. However, what's in that article is very sensible, and it seems to me that. You know, it's about bloody time that they took some notice of it. It's not just about a growing debate. Let's have the debate. Let's have it everywhere. Yeah. Let's have it everywhere that's, I don't know, got a brain or got a couple of brains to put together, even if it's one brain that says yes and one brain that says no. Have a public debate about it. Absolutely. And let all sides be heard. Mm. We don't have to not listen to people just because they don't agree with what we say. We can listen to it. We can chew it up, think it over, spit it out and respond to it. But if people just sit on their fears, sit on their anxieties and don't worry about it, or don't let their worries out. It becomes more intense and it becomes more fearsome and more frightening and you end up with more people dead. 
for the lack of the conversation. Well, aren't we meant to be following evidence-based policy? Yeah. yeah, yeah, Where is this following evidence-based policy? Very selective, unfortunately. Absolutely. Speaking of which, speaking of selection, (laughs) did I dream it or on Sunday morning uh, or Saturday morning, did um, the Prime Minister say he had to confess to being responsible for something? Oh, my God. I yeah, didn't hear that's it. what I thought. <laughs> I had a little laugh, and, and actually I didn't. I laughed for 10 minutes. I was rolling on the ground because he did. He said he had to be, had to admit to some responsibility. Cannot for the life of me think of what it was for, but I'm pretty sure it was something he didn't know anything about. And it wasn't a dream. Well, no, I don't think it was a dream. If it was a dream, I wouldn't have been rolling on the floor for 10 (laughs) minutes. (laughs) All right. Look, I might go to a song. This is uh, an early iced tea classic called I'm Your Pusher, iced tea. All right. That was iced tea and I'm your pusher. Welcome back to News from the Drug War Front, brought to you by Karma and The Connection. uh, And 2XX on 98.3 FM, FM. People Powered Radio. Yeah, which looks after us and sponsors us. And you should think about sponsoring them. Yeah, and support two double X. And support two double X. I mean, they look after, they produce shows here. What about ninety a week, or so that you know are produced locally? And we really need to take care of two double X. It's people powered radio. That means it has access. You have access to it. If you sponsor it and make it, give it some money. Join two double X and become a volunteer. Uh, become involved, do the training training course, the training course, that's smart, do the training course. You can be, you can come and, I don't know whether you think what we say is worth hearing or not. We think it's worth hearing, we think it's worth discussing, but you can come and talk about something that's close to your heart like we do. There are a lot of problems with society today. There's no reason why they shouldn't be discussed openly. The fact that we have a government that doesn't want to discuss it as neither here nor there. The main thing is that with people-powered radio, like 98.3, like 2XX, it can be discussed. Uh, it also brings in shows from other parts of Australia, the one before us, the one about um, ecology and the environment, is brought from Melbourne, brought to you from Melbourne. It's really valuable to have this radio... Um, station available to the public in the ACT but without sponsorship it will not survive so I just encourage you to join it. Anyway I'm going to do an article by the uh, Inlander. Uh, Okay so news and local news experts say safe smoking supplies could reduce the harm of fentanyl. (laughs) This is an interesting concept because i been wondering about this, whether this would actually make any difference, whether people are addicted to injecting or whether, so whether the mode of consumption of drugs is really important to people. It's been my experience that some people are actually addicted to the injection, not so much to the drug, that the drug can be whatever they want it to be, but they would prefer it to be. But the injecting is really the important part of it. But so this is the question. Fentanyl usage is reaching epidemic proportion as more people tell community health workers that they're intentionally using the powerful opiate, intentionally. At the same time, the number of people overdosing with the drug in their system is rapidly increasing. 
In a survey of needle exchange users across Washington State in September and October in 2021, 42% of 995 participants said they'd used fentanyl in the last three months. That's up from 18% in 2019. What's more, two-thirds who reported using fentanyl said they'd done so intentionally and most of that use involved pills which are often smoked. Such a swift rise in popularity of a drug that was hardly known in 2015 has been surprising, says Caleb uh, Banter-Green. Okay. The syringe, the syringe survey's co-author and principal research scientist at the Addictions Drug and Alcohol Institute in the University of Washington School of Medicine. Quote, the fact that people are smoking is really important. Green tells the Inlander. You have a wonderful syringe services program at the health district in Spokane, that is, in New York, but now we have something like probably half the people who are dying of overdoses are smoking drugs, fentanyl or methamphetamine, and we don't really have a robust harm reduction program for that. In fact, you know, in a lot of ways, um, smoking was supposed to be a part of a harm reduction program. Smoking as opposed to injecting it was meant to be an alternative. For a lot of drugs, A way of introducing a different mode of ingestion that would reduce the harm. But people are still overdosing on smoking fentanyl, which just shows you how potent the drug is. Mm, Indeed. Okay, fentanyl contributed to or caused 11 deaths in Spokane County in 2019 and 28 deaths in 2020. According to the 2020 annual report from the Spokane County Medical Examiner, that number exploded from January 1st, 2021 to March 2022 when the Medical Examiner's Office saw 127 cases in which fentanyl contributed to the death, with another 87 cases still waiting on toxicology reports to see which substances may have been involved, according to the ME's office. For decades, syringe programs have been helping people get safer supplies to reduce the spread of diseases and infections and to get people in the door so they can meet social workers and potentially access medically assist, medication-assisted treatment and other services. So this is actually a problem then if we're talking about people still overdosing when they're smoking fentanyl. Mm. And I wonder if that's because when you smoke the drug or as when you snort it, really, you don't get the same immediate effect as when you inject the drug. So people when it goes into the bloodstream. Take too much or... They not. will take more because they haven't got that immediate effect, so they'll have another smoke mm. really quickly because it's not fast. I mean, it's really hard to get used sometimes the idea that it's not three seconds between when you inject to when you feel the drug, mm. it's more like 20 or 30 seconds. It sounds a bit like Homer Simpson. Yeah, 40 seconds, oh but I want it it's a now. Lifetime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, good point. About his chilli. So, but that's the point. When you smoke it, it takes a little bit longer to come on 
just a little bit, but long enough for people to think maybe it's not working. Maybe I need a bit more. And then so they will take an overdose amount because they don't know the quality. They don't know how much to take safely because it's not been told to them and it's not been tested in that fashion or to be ingested in that fashion. It is remarkable, Marion, how many people have... Fatally overdose from fentanyl and other, yeah. you know, car well, fentanyl. They overdose from injecting, and and yes, you can see how that can happen mm. because the speed with which it it um, takes over the, or affects the system. But smoking, that sounds to me like people used to inject, mm. so they are used to having a fairly quick onset of the effect of the drug. Yeah. Anyway, I'm rabbiting. For decades, syringe programs have been helping people get, yeah, did that bit. But Banter Green says there's little to nothing offered when it comes to safer smoking supplies, which means people aren't coming in the door to access those other services. And many new fentanyl users are younger people who've never injected drugs, he says, meaning they may not think to access needle exchanges. So that maybe is one of the reasons why New York is having overdose prevention rooms as in terms, uh, instead of in safe injecting rooms. That's why they call it overdose prevention rooms. Quote, we are seeing a decrease in clientele, says Samantha Carroll, an overdose prevention specialist and case manager at the Spokane Regional Health District Needle Exchange. <clears throat> Quote, we used to have a line out the door, but now people are smoking the pills instead of injecting, and we've seen our population decrease. So they can do it so, in a they think, in a legally less visible way, but not necessarily a in, a safe, in a health-wise mm. safe way. Now public health workers across the state are working to figure out if safer smoking supplies could be the next step in harm reduction for those from those suffering from substance use disorder. <clears throat> I wonder if it's more about teaching people, you know, how to smoke and how long you should take to you know, have that affect you. Yeah. Harm it reduction, goes, it goes on actually yeah. for a long time and I'll, there's only I'll, eight minutes to I'll go. just skim through the harm reduction section because, you know, it's taken a long time for needle and syringe programs to get started in the US. Yeah, um, and they call them overdose prevention, you know, consumption rooms. So, yeah, don't, don't be dis- deterred by the name. Uh, it basically says when many needle exchanges started up about 30 years ago, largely in response to the HIV-AIDS epidemic, people were sceptical about whether such programs might cause more harm than good. But Banter Green says the evidence is very clear now that the programs not only reduced infections and spread of bloodborne viruses, they also help caseworkers earn the trust of people who've often faced a lot of trauma. Once in the door, many of them get medication-assisted treatment, medical care and more. And that's what we've often said, that if you provide services, people get to interact. Give people what they want and they will come and get it. They will come and get it, yeah. Especially if you give it to them without judgment. Uh, there's evidence smoking supplies could offer the same entry point. In a pilot project, the Tacoma Needle Exchange distributed smoking supplies at one of their sites starting in late 2020. Over the course of a year, they saw 1,146 unique people, including 742 who were totally new to the needle exchange. So that's accessing a whole... Yeah, it's um, a whole new bunch of people that they've never seen before. Yeah. According to a January 2020 report on smoking equipment that Bandagreen helped write, 
quote, providing smoking equipment allows a person to become engaged in a healthy relationship that could lead to things that would reduce overdose risk. Yeah. It means keep them alive, Banter yes. Green says. It's a public health harm reduction in the short term, but it also helps people who are super traumatised and rightfully untrusting. Yeah. And that's the major point is that people don't trust government services because the government has always said don't do it, and if you do do it, we'll catch you and we'll jail you. Yeah, and we'll judge you and yeah, well, stigmatise we'll you. We'll judge you and, and we'll treat you like a junkie. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the... and that's become a really, you know, that's a really loaded word these days. I don't know how we reclaim that word and make it our own and make it positive, but there must be a way, either that or... We change what we call ourselves. Well, language is I'm, powerful, isn't it? You know, it? that whole yeah. concept of, of junkie is very potent. There's some yeah. really good papers on the AOD Media Watch um, website about yes. the power of language for reporting yep. on illicit drugs and illicit drug use. And uses. how not to report and how, on them. How not to, yeah. Yeah. And, in fact, we edit a bit of what we say on the radio show simply to make sure that we're not using loaded words like junkie mm. or addict yes. when because what we mean is user yeah. or um peer for crying out loud. Mm. I mean it's it's not like we're not that. No, it's a really good point. So are we up to nearly the end of the show now, Jeffrey? Yeah, just about to the end. I hope uh, listeners found uh, some of the stories interesting. We're still plugging away trying to get a discussion going and um encourage our Political leaders to at least um, consider the evidence. Yeah, or or encourage them to discuss it, or discuss it with them mm. is the best thing. I mean, it's not like we don't have intelligent and um, articulate users around about the place. We do plenty of them, mm. and you have the arguments, you have the access. It, you can get to people. The thing about Canberra is you can get to politicians. Mm. It's simply a, ma- a matter of making sure how and when you try to make access to them or yeah. get access to them. I used to find that, find that lunchtime when the uh, receptionist was out on lunch was a good time to them <laughs> because they answer their own phones then. Nice. Someone's got to have lunch, yeah. That's yeah, true. All right. Um Thank you, listeners. Take care of yourselves and others. And yeah, and look after each other. We love you all. I love you, Jeffrey. You will take care of yourself or I'll have your guts for garters, my dear. We've got to do something about Jeffrey this week. He's not feeling very well and we he needs a bit of love. And I think everybody else does too. I agree. We've had such a lot of bad news mm. over the last week. It's been tough. Um, and if we don't do something about Putin... I don't know, I think the world will blow up or something. I'm really very proud of the Ukraine and the Ukrainian people and I'm sorry that there are so many people who are going having to go to other countries. Moldova is taking on more people than than they've got. Yeah, yeah they're the poorest good. country in no. the European Union and yet they're taking generous. in people from the Ukraine. Yeah. Poorer people are more generous than rich people. All right, we'll leave you with some of our theme song, Golden yep. Brown. Bye-bye. Take care, everyone.